0: Blog Talk Radio. Psychically connect to your soul, health, and wellness. Tune in as she brings messages, guidance, and clarity into your life.
1: Hello everybody, and welcome to Get Into It with Tina Conroy on Blog Talk Radio. I am so thrilled to be with all of you, listening live and later on the recording. Our phone line will be open, and to call into the show or to listen, it is 516-387-1936. Also, the chat room is open. The chat room feature through Blog Talk Radio. Go to blogtalkradio.com, find my show, and then you can chat along with us. So I hope this finds you well, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, if you're listening live or later on the recording. This is episode four of Healthy Transformation, and we sure have had some amazing guests, amazing insights into this new year of health and transformation on many different levels. I am so excited to bring on my special guest. She has influenced me so greatly, and just a side note that I'm sure a lot of people don't know about me. I recently just reached out to Catherine, and my story goes back to about college time. And I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder, but found myself in all-women's college, and I was also a dancer. So a lot of things, a lot of factors around me. And I found myself my sophomore year of college really battling with self, body image, and low body image, dieting, restricting dieting, and things that really weren't very healthy for my body and my mind and, of course, my spirit. And at that time, I really didn't have the connections that I do now. And I found myself restricting much of my food intake and then extremely going the other way and binging. And for the most part, I've struggled with my weight most of my life, but the binging sort of faded away. I got older, I had children. And they they came and they went, but they were very far and few between. And then over the holidays, this just past holiday, I found myself all of a sudden, really, it, it kind of hit me off mark. It was kind of something I didn't expect that I started these patterns again. I started these urges again of binging. And We'll get into what binging is, but for me, I would binge and not really purge or do anything. It was just a binging and then it was a self of remorse, blame, depression. I'll get better I'll do it I won't do it again and I was really, really taken aback, and also it's just been amazing that I was able to find this book at the right time. Someone placed this book in my hands and it has really changed my thinking. I, As you know, I use many spiritual practices, and but this book, these principles, have really changed how I think, how I look at things, and has not only helped me, but I'm now able to help my clients that are working with body image, weight loss, loving their body, self-confidence, and health and transformation. So... I would like to begin today with a reading, so if we could just center for a moment, and this reading, this blessing, is from one of my favorite authors, John O'Donoghue, to bless the space between us, a book of blessings. So if you could take a moment, take a nice breath in, and exhale away, and this blessing is for courage, so we can bless everyone on this call for courage, when the light around you lessens and your thoughts darken until your body feels fear turned cold as a stone inside, when you find yourself bereft of any belief in yourself and all you unknowingly leaned on has failed. When one voice commands your whole heart and it is raven dark, steady yourself and see that it is your own thinking That darkens your world. Search and you will find a diamond thought of light. Know that you are not alone and that this darkness has purpose. Gradually it will school your eyes to find the one gift your life requires hidden within this night corner. Invoke the learning of every suffering you have suffered. Close your eyes. Gather all the kindling about your heart to create one spark. That is all you need to nourish the flame that will cleanse the dark of its weight of festered fear. A new confidence will come alive to urge you toward higher ground where your imagination will learn to engage difficulty as its most rewarding threshold. And I just bless everyone listening. And we say, and so it is. So my very special guest, Catherine Hansen. Catherine Hansen recovered from bulimia in 2005. She is now dedicated to educating and empowering women and men who struggle with all forms of binge eating. She is the author of Brain Over Binge, Why I Was Bulimic, Why Conventional Therapy Didn't Work, and How I Recovered for Good in 2011. That book is a personal memoir of her own eating disorder and recovery. The Brain Over Binge Recovery Guide, a simple and personalized plan for overcoming bulimia and binge eating disorder, just recently published, 2016, is a self-help book based on the concepts that help Catherine and many others stop binge eating. Catherine provides an alternative voice in the field of eating disorders, teaching brain-based reasons for why binge eating occurs and departing from mainstream ideas that say eating disorders are the result of underlying emotional, psychological problems and require years of therapy to fix. She does not believe bulimia and binge eating disorder are diseases, but instead very natural, but primitive, brain responses to restrictive dieting and the repeated overconsumption of highly stimulating foods. She teaches readers how to take back control from the primitive part of their brains and use their higher cognitive power to chart a path to recovery in the most efficient way possible. Her goal is to make recovery attainable for anyone who wants to live free of binge eating. Catherine can be found at brainoverbinge.com. So I would love to bring Catherine on. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? I'm very good. So glad that we can share this time together today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on and thanks for your
1: nice introduction. I'm so glad to hear that my book has been so helpful to you very helpful really helpful and and like I said just and what I also want to say is thank you thank you thank you so much for writing this book and for allowing so many people to experience this change this this whole shift and it really caught me off guard I have to say and so that's why I'm loving also the second book which we'll get into. So I think what I would like to start with, just because it may seem a little interesting to start this way, is really what is binge eating? Because some people may not really know, they have this idea of what it is, and I know, you know there's not just like the dictionary or Webster's definition, but what would we consider so people know what we're talking about? It's not just overeating, what a binge is, and then we'll kind of go through uh, from there.
0: Okay, first, I'll just say it in a sort of a personal way, and then i'll state the criteria that's used to diagnose it um It's eating a large amount of food in a way that feels really out of control. I mean everybody over worry sometimes a little more than you you wanted to, but this is a very it's a very disturbing behavior it's something that leaves you filled with guilt and you're so self hatred and you just feel completely out of control um and the, the really official definition from the diagnostic and physical manual is um, eating a discrete period of time, such as, like, a two-hour period, an amount of food that's definitely larger than most people eat during a similar time under similar circumstances. And they are accompanied by a sense of lack, lack of control, what I talked about. Um, and to be, like, formally diagnosed with binge eating disorder or bulimia, you have to binge or purge, like, one time a week for at least three months. So it's something that recurs. But no matter how often it occurs, it's so distressing that it's something that even if you do it every once in a while, kind of
1: like you talked about, it's something that you want to get control over. Right. So it's, right, it's just, it feels this this sense of not control, this sense of, you know, there there's no way out, you know, that's how it felt for me. It was sort of like calling my name, calling my name, and that was it. It was just, there was, it almost was like pulling me, like, a, a, and I think only someone that has experienced it and just a pulling, um, and until you do, you know, binge, it doesn't really go away. I mean, it takes that numbness away while you're doing it, but in the moment, then you're in that blame of, I can't believe I'm doing this. So it's yeah. it's it really does take over your whole physical and obviously emotional part of your life, and then there's just so much of recouping hours later or even a day later of all this, you know, blame and hatred and self-body image and, and all of that, which is just becomes a cycle over and over and over again. So yes, A lot yeah. of people
0: describe it, and I felt too, is it, it almost felt like I wasn't even in my own body. It was almost an experience that felt so um, dissonant to what I consider myself to be. And I just, if I wouldn't have experienced the urges to binge for myself, I would, never would have understood it. I never would have. It's just something you have to experience. And Anyone who, who does binge eat knows what a binge is and it's harder to explain it for people who don't but intuitively anyone who binges can can kind of define what a binge is
1: right right so take us back to to your story to how you how you began your first binge how that was um you know triggered and if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners
0: yeah sure well, I started dieting kind of like you. Um, I was in high school, and it's just a, a time when women are in their teen years and college years that it's just something that, that women do, and it's sad it shouldn't happen, but it's just something I fell into, and I naturally gained some weight as I matured, and that kind of made me distressed, so I took to dieting to maybe gain less weight, or it was just something I did, and I still don't have a good reason for why I did it. It's just a lot of people do. For a lot of people, it doesn't lead to problems, but for me, it did. Um, it as the more I dieted, the more like my appetite seemed to become this huge monumental problem. I, mean, I tried to and the more hungrier I got, the more I tried to diet and it just became after about a year and a half of trying to control my intake and trying to restrict calories, my body just took over and I binged for the first time. I ate I wrote in my book, I ate eight bowls of cereal. That was my first binge when I was seventeen. And and then it just kind of increased gradually. I I tried to go back to my dieting, but I never could get you know that control again, which the control wasn't healthy either. But um, it just started happening more and more, once a week, twice a week, and until it really took over my whole life. And the guilt that you feel after a binge, it made me want to do something about it. I never was someone who could make myself throw up. A lot of people do that, which is extremely dangerous. I I tried to exercise a lot the next day, like extreme exercise, and also dieting to try to compensate for these. times that I felt completely out of control, I tried to get control back by by purging. And I think it's just a cycle that that becomes very habitual. It becomes very almost addicting. And I recovered about, I was in that cycle for about six years when I finally recovered.
1: Right. And so so the purging part, I guess some people would over-exercise like you did. So it would be hours and hours of exercising to Mm -hmm. rid this, bad mistake or just try to like you know get make it better so you wouldn't gain the weight from from the binge and i guess there's also obviously we you hear a lot often the you know the vomiting or the laxatives or other kind of uses and so but there's also binging without any purging correct right some people will binge and just like that with me like i binge and just went through this mental part of just hating myself and you know it's really my you know my Sophomore year of college, where it was just, you know, this constant like, you're no good, you'll never, you know, like just, just that. So it was kind of, I guess that would be considered not really a purge, you know. I guess it's, I didn't have a way to do that, but I was beating myself up. So,
0: yeah, exactly. And that's the difference between binge eating disorder and bulimia. Bulimia purging accompanies the binge, or uh, follows it, and binge eating disorder there is no purging, but there is what you describe as that self-loathing, and self-hatred. So that's really the difference there—the purging versus not purging,
1: right? Which is just so horrible. There's probably so many people. I mean, I know I—we don't have to get into statistics, but there's probably so many, so many people undiagnosed in um, binge eating disorder, right? Because they're not oh, yes. necessarily diagnosed as a full-blown eating disorder, right? Because they'll say, "Well, you're not, you know, you're not taking laxatives, you're not vomiting, or you're not exercising for hours and hours," so. That was, like, such an aha thing for me when I read your book because I I didn't even realize this was something – I mean, I knew what I was doing. I knew I was binging, but I almost felt like I was a failure at binging. Like, I mean, isn't that crazy? It was like I can binge, <laughs> but I can't – I wasn't exercising like everybody else, or I wasn't vomiting, or I wasn't taking laxatives, so then I was even more of a failure. I mean, how crazy is that? <laughs> yeah. but you're, you were healthy, my,
0: healthier for not doing that, for not right. binging.
1: Right, and so but my yeah, mind. You, I think Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Um, what What I was going to say is, you're so right about there being probably so many more people suffering with this than what statistics show us. I mean, right now it's estimated that there's about three and a half percent of women and two percent of men being like formally diagnosed diagnosed with bulimia, or BED, um, which is binge eating disorder. And I just think there's so many more people out there who binge less than maybe the criteria to be diagnosed, or who who just won't admit it, who never seek help. I mean, the numbers could be staggering of how many people suffer with this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it could be extra, you know, just crazy numbers because, you know, I mean, even sometimes when I read, you know, people, you know, and I guess it doesn't matter, like you can have, sit and have a binge and consume up to 8,000 calories or, or even it's just the feeling of that, Stuffing the food or going through—I mean, I find myself when it was me, it was just opening cabinets, opening the refrigerator, opening the drawers, opening—going, you know—it was like going from one thing to another. That was kind of my thing, very like um, chaotic, you know, just very chaotic with the urges. So, so talk us through. So that was, so you were now really in this cycle of binging, and a couple times a week. And then overly, overly exercising. And I know from the first book that we talked about, your first book that came out, Brain Over Binge, you were on, you were very athletic and you were cross country and you ran. So you were overcompensating, even, you know, working out even more. Right. So that was, when did you, did you know that you wanted to get help? Did your parents say, let's put you, like, when, when did someone, was there someone was like your parents going, something's going on here? Or what was the step to go get, you know, going to get help?
0: Um, yeah, that was it. Was a little bit of a long process, not not too long. It was about seven months into my binge eating, where, well, first of all, they tried to get, my parents tried to get me help when I was dieting because I lost too much weight, and at the time I really wasn't receptive to it because I didn't really think there was a problem, and everyone else was dieting, and anyway, so it really wasn't until I felt like I absolutely could not control the binge eating, and I tried willpower, I tried setting resolutions, I tried you know telling myself to stop, and it just seemed so crazy that I couldn't stop. I always valued self-control and I valued you know making good choices and I just couldn't seem to make a good choice when I was like driven towards a binge so it was I guess my freshman year of college that I finally sought therapy and um, just the answers I found in therapy which I talk about a lot in my book um, were not helpful to me personally they do help always say that therapy does help some people I'm not being you know never go to therapy it does have a purpose but as far as being specific treatment for bulimia and BED. I think there's
1: a lot of improvement that needs to be made there. Right. So you went the traditional route. You did you did you went into therapy and I know you sp- speak about it in the in both books how the therapy is about fixing everything <laughs> everything um yeah. other than the binges and the urges to binge. And so it, I'm sure it helped on some level because you know therapy, like you said, is is good for I mean for so many people and self improvement and you know things like that. But it didn't take away this one thing that you had gone there for. So what what kind of made the catalyst? What was the precipice for you to to make the shift in your thinking?
0: Well, I just spent spent a good six years in this this pattern of trying to figure out what was causing me to binge. There's a, a sort of an overarching theme of therapy that binging is, is a symptom of something else. It's a symptom of emotional problems, of underlying psychological issues of anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, that it's a symptom of you basically having a emotional void in your life and binging is somehow fulfilling this need or using it to cope with your problems. And it's a theory that's really driven tri- treatment for years and I don't know why. I think eventually it's going to become a sort of obsolete practice. But so I spent a lot of time working on my anxiety and depression and trying to figure out what in my past might have led me down this route and what my binge eating was helping me cope with. Like, was there something that happened earlier that day that made me need to binge to fulfill an emotional need? And it just felt like it just never made made a lot of sense to me and that it never – I mean – it just never made, made a difference in helping me stop bingeing. When those urges hit, it didn't matter if maybe I thought it was to cope with depression. It didn't matter because that urge was so primal and it drove me so strongly toward the food that, you know, my therapist would say, well, go take a bubble bath instead. Well, I just I couldn't do that. It just seemed like a crazy right. thought at the time. So eventually um, I came across this book called Rational Recovery, and it's by Jack Treby, and I give a lot of credit to him for my recovery Um, reading this book and my own insights really led me down a completely different path of viewing my urges in terms of the brain. Um, What he teaches is that addictions and substance abuse, he's really focusing on alcoholics and drug addicts, but that an addiction becomes basically wired into the animalistic and the primal part of your brain, and it really rewires that part of your brain so that it drives you toward your substance of choice, whether that's food, alcohol, like as if that's completely necessary for your survival. So the the fact that the urges were so strong, it made sense because my animal brain was, was conditioned and it started by dieting, by really – my animal brain was trying to protect me by um, really driving me toward food. It's a basic survival mechanism. And then once I avenged enough time, it created this this pattern. And it wrapped up, and I explain a lot of the science behind it in my book, but it's basically the reward system in your brain. And it, it just triggers this pleasure process that it's pleasurable in the moment, but it's not – It's not something you really want in your life. It just becomes this habit and this addiction. But it's just automatic. It's just your primal brain running on these old, ancient programs that you don't really have to follow. And just making that disconnect between, okay, these urges aren't really meaningful and they don't symbolize anything about my life or that I'm diseased or broken, that they're just this ancient process in my brain. And I sort of learned how to detach from that process and how to stop acting on the urges, and that's how my habit went away. It's a... Long story made
1: very short. Right. Because when you talk about restrictive dieting, it's almost to the point of, I mean, so restrictive. And this, this again was something for me. Like at some one point, it was, you know, I think my food of choice was an apple and a pot of coffee and, you know, maybe a cracker and, you know, a pack of cigarettes. Um, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was like beyond, you know, a healthy eating program to lose weight. Um, it was so restrictive that when I, you know, it was, I could, you know, now I can look back and step outside of myself and say, that was my brain just saying, you're starving yourself and then go into, and then whatever that first time was that I, that I binged. So, so, so the animal brain, so you you say it's the animal brain or the primitive brain and then mm-hmm. the and, and the human brain, right? So there's—is that the two brains? Yeah,
0: basically your higher brain, which is contains your prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for self-control and also your sense of identity, like who you are and who you believe that yourself to be. And your primitive brain is sort of buried deep inside your brain, under the, the cortex, that um, controls really your survival instincts. It controls your habits and controls, and it becomes
1: um, wired in an unhelpful way in addictions. Okay, and so when you talk about the chatter, the brain chatter, the brain chatter is what's pulling us to act on the primitive brain. Would that be right? That's kind of like the um, yeah, thought, like, pr- go eat the chocolate chip cookies and all of it or something like that. Like that's the chatter constantly, like that, um, yeah, the brain chatter, right?
0: Yeah, the, the primitive brain, basically, it doesn't really have language, which um, I explain in my book, but it kind of uses your language to get what it wants. And okay. it sends out urges and signals and feelings, and it can make physical symptoms. It creates thoughts like um, logical reasons for binge eating. And to, to recover, I had to learn to recognize that. Um, in Rational Recovery, the author calls it Addictive Voice Recognition Technique, ABRT. And it's just basically learning how to recognize that voice. And anything that encourages binge eating is the addictive voice. So if you can learn to detach from that and listen to it without giving it value or attention, it becomes much easier to just let those um, symptoms or the, those urges pass without acting on them. And then the more you do not act on them, as you don't act on them, it deconditions the brain and you actually eventually lose the urges. I mean, anyone who's ever stopped any habit knows that. Once you stop doing it, it eventually goes away. It might take a while. It might pop up every now and then. You might have a desire to, you know, do something that you haven't done in years. But it just it goes away. Eventually the brain learns that you don't need it anymore, it's not necessary for survival and it turns it off. So that's what right. happened to me, that's what happened to a lot of other people I've talked to and it just...
1: Right, so it's almost like creating, um, they talk about the neurons in the brain where it creates these new pathways or and the pathways become the new habit. So, and, and I can, you know, I it was like when I quit smoking, you know, like I don't have an urge really ever to have a cigarette. And so once that habit was broken, um, it, it just it it just the brain took a new path, you know. The, I think they talk a lot about when you talk about a lot of habits, people will say twenty one days to create a habit or forty days to create a habit. I know in a lot of the spiritual or kundalini it's like forty days. They do a lot of forty day kriyas and because I'm a yoga teacher, so they'll do something in forty days. So, you know, forty days to change a habit. And sometimes it could be from, you know, um, it could be many things it could be many different things so it's so so it's almost like would you say it's almost like for me a, a part of it that resonated with me was almost like that i was kind of stepping outside of myself like like a part of me was stepping outside of myself and then kind of looking at this this other person or like my other brain and saying like not seeing it as part of me does that make sense like i know i kind of Maybe that just helped me. Like I stepped outside of it and and was like a witness to it. Yeah, that, exactly. That is that's,
0: okay. that's exactly okay. what what needs to be done. That's exactly what what I did. You view it as not you anymore. It's not these thoughts are not yours. They're they're not deep and meaningful. If you can step, it's almost like you're watching yourself and you're. Um, in a way, you almost do that when you're binging. You're kind of watching yourself binge. Your higher brain is like mm-hmm. powerless, and your lower brain's just controlling the process. But then you can learn to resist the urges um, by using the higher brain to sort of observe those thoughts, observe them without acting on them. Um, right. And yeah, it's exactly like you described.
1: Right. Absolutely. So, congratulations on your second book. Um, well, I want to. I'm so excited about this too. So I'm kind of a quarter way through. I haven't I've gotten through the whole thing, um, so and it was just published. You want to tell people a little bit about about that book and where they can find it, and then we'll kind of you know delve into that a little bit because this is the second book, but it's also the you know kind of like the workbook and the convention you know to help with the with the first book. So if you could just share yeah. um, where to find it, and I think it was just published, correct? It was just recently put out.
0: Yeah, just like on January 12th. So yeah, it's only been out a little while. It's only on Amazon at the moment. Um, I self-published my books, so they're not really in bookstores, or, um, but they're on Amazon and Kindle and Paperback. And this book really came about um, when I was writing my first book. I, I was writing my own story, and I thought about, okay, am I going to include st- um, more advice for the reader in, in particular situations?
1: And I decided
0: not to, In the first book I just focused only on my story. And as people read it and people um, emailed me questions and asked for additional advice, it just gave me all these ideas that really renewed this interest in writing a book to help, a specific self-help book and not just sharing my own story. And I've, over the years, I've written on my blog and I've written um, a little workbook. And a lot of this new book is, draws upon those things that I have already have out there, but it just puts everything together and just really tries to guide the, a binge eater, especially one who's struggling and maybe needed more than my first book offered just to guide them through the process of recovering. While still trying to make it simple, um, there's just a lot of discovering your own insights and what works for you, and especially uh, focus on helping people eat normally, because that can be a really big barrier, which my first book didn't cover a lot of that. Um, it talked about how I ate, but not, not in a lot of detail. Because um, a lot of people, they'll stop binging, but they're still trying to diet, and they're still in that well, wanting to lose weight, and that really can get in the way. So try to help people put aside that focus on weight and try to help them implement normal eating habits and just really address a lot of the things that um, the first book did addressed address in terms of
1: eating. And so, and I know you kind of um, paired up with Amy Johnson. So she's mm-hmm. she, she helped, she, is she, I, did she write a few chapters or she just sort of was, you worked together on the book to some degree? Um, yeah, she wrote
0: three of the chapters. She wrote three of the chapters and the foreword of this book. Um, I get my book several years ago helped her in the same way it helped you, and she reached out to me. And she does. She's a psychologist and a life coach. And she's been. I've been referring people that come to me who want additional help. I've referred to them to her for years. Um, um, and she does a great job of coaching them. And she's really helped me. Um, she has a lot of case studies in the book and talks about different people's experiences and how recovery doesn't occur on the same timeline. And she really uses a lot of um, spirituality in her. Um, Practice as well, so she has a chapter specifically on spirituality. So she's just been an amazing asset, and I'm so happy that she was able to help with this book,
1: which is so great. So, di- so kind of diving into the second book, I know that it's kind of in parts, um, kind of up to the part where the 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 first part of the book of the second book. So just so everyone knows, I'm talking about the the recovery book, the her uh, Catherine's second book um, is what you need to know before recovery. So can you speak just a little bit about that? I mean, I would love, I want everyone to go, and I know they're all going to be excited to get the book, but just a little bit about how it's broken down. You know, the first part is uh, what you need to know about before recovery, and then you go through the second and different things. Okay, yeah, sure.
0: What you need to know before recovery is really kind of trying to put aside what traditional therapy teaches, and that binging binging is an emotional problem or it's a disease. It's really teaching you how it works in the brain and how this is kind of a natural adaptive process to dieting, to overeating, you know, highly processed foods for too long and how it becomes a habit and an automatic process. There's really nothing you need to blame yourself for. It's nothing you need to go to years of therapy to work on your emotions to fix. So it's really kind of taking a new perspective in that first section of the book to help you see it as a brain-based problem
1: with a brain-based solution. Okay. And then you move into the second part. You talk about recovery goal one, recovery goal two, and then you kind of uh, go on from there. So yeah, the
0: two goals—the two goals—are just to give a framework for recovery. I think I've come to believe, and I this helped me tremendously, is the two things that you need to do in order to recover to keep yourself focused is to one to dismiss the urge to binge. And that means just letting them come and go without acting on them. And then, two, you need to eat adequately. I use the term adequately because you don't need to eat perfectly. You don't need to eat optimally, ideally. That's all just, you just need to feed your body in a nourishing way. You need to give yourself enough food. So, if you can dismiss the urges, if you can eat adequately, then you're no longer a congener. So, these are two things that really keep, try to keep you focused on what really works. And if, if goals are, if things you're doing are helping to achieve those two goals, then keep doing them. That's great. And whatever works for you is great. Um, if they're not, like if working on your past problems as in therapy is not helping you dismiss the urges or eat adequately, then it's not, maybe not worth your time. It's maybe worth your time in your life, but not as it relates to your recovery. So in part two of the book, I, I I'll go into um, the two recovery goals. I start with the recovery goal. One, teaching how to dismiss the urges, and I teach about what we talked about, about detachment, about listening to the urges like as an observer. And there's really five components to that. Um, The first is view urges to binge as neurological junk. as a term that just describes that this is just an automatic process. It's your brain doing what it's been conditioned to do, but it's just junk. You don't need to pay attention to it. The second is separate the higher brain from the urges to binge. We talked about the higher brain being your self-control centers and who you truly are, and that um, if you can separate that from the urges, then you're better able to resist them. The third component is stop reacting to urges to binge, which... Anyone who's a binge eater knows when these urges come. It's so easy to get frustrated and get angry and get anxious and just really do all these things that aren't helpful. So to learn to stop reacting means just to allow the process to take place without getting all emotional about it. Um, The fourth component is to stop acting on the urges, and this is really the cure. This is really what rewires the brain to turn off the urges once you can stop acting on them. Um, And the fifth component is to get excited, and that's get excited about dismissing the urges and also about just about recovery. And the more excited you get, the more you can sort of um, feed your higher brain with with praise and with um, excitement that you're recovering. It actually helps speed along these brain changes that we want. And the brain changes that we want are more um, activity in the prefrontal cortex. You want more self-control and less of this primal process of um, what's driving the
1: binge. So when you get to number five, it's really about the gratitude or the joy Right, so like joy is such a high vibration. We talk about that a lot in spirituality. Like bringing joy is such a high vibration, right? Then like anger and self blame and doubt and worry, right? That's like low and it just feels heavy. But when you can bring the vibration up to joy, and like you said, when you get to step five, and in and feel feel, yeah, I would say like you said, feel happy, feel joyful that. Then that that's like a good center to the brain, right? It's almost like a good pleasure that they want to keep, you want to repeat, right? So I would kind of think that would be, um, like, once you get to when you can get to five and stay in those steps, the brain goes, oh, that feels good. I it feels it feels happy, (laughs) right? Like happy. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Mm Mhm. I like that. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. It it just like resonates with me because I you know with with um, I do a lot. I work a lot with my clients with. Um, outside methods of uh, body image and, um, you know, just, just accepting their bodies. And I work a lot with meditation, visualization, and also with, also with, not only visualization and meditation, but we also, I also do some tapping, some EFT tapping. But the interesting part of visualization is sometimes we will say to some of my clients, we'll create like a superhero, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Like we'll create someone that's going to help you with this. And so, you know, in a visualization, so it would be like number five when you get to that joy and vibration that you've gone through all these steps you know, it's like someone cheering you on, you know, like a cheerleader or like Supergirl, you know, <laughs> that yeah. that, you, that you can do it, which is really cool. And then in That's the great. second, yeah, it's kind of cool, right? It's like a interesting. Everyone's just like, what? What do you mean you make superheroes in your mind? But um, <laughs> it's okay, everybody. I'm
0: and a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people will like to visualize a, a different character for the, the binge voice, too, for the voice of the urges, they like to visualize it as, some dark creature or monster, or, or or even like a little harmless bug or something. You know, something you can just squash. And it's not even. It's just loud, but it's obnoxious. Um, oh, so anything true. that really helps you view it as something that's not you is super helpful.
1: Right. Anything that's outside of yourself is going to help you to dismiss the urges and to create these new pathways and and to um, to then really move into recovery. And then just because I know we do have some callers, so some people may want to have some questions. And then in the third part, um, I love how you touch upon um, the, the part about helping other habits and how um, or unproductive um, processes. So you also touch a little bit on how this can be applied to other things other than binging. So can you just speak to that briefly, that part? Because that's, that's yes. also good for so many people. Yeah,
0: definitely. Let me back up a tiny bit, because we skipped one part. We talked about oh, recovery okay. goal one, dismissing urges, and then recovery goal two is the eating. Oh, you're right. Part. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, I'll just go very briefly about, I really try to help you create your own version of adequate eating or of normal eating. It, no, it's not going to look alike for two people. Everyone has a different body, a different way they need to be nourished. So it's really not about telling you what to eat. It's about just giving you some principles to work with and giving some options and ways you can determine what's right for you. Um I talk about eating an adequate quantity of food, which means you need to eat enough. You can't be in that dieting survival oriented state. Um and also adequate quality food. It doesn't mean you have to eat all organic, all you know, perfect food. It just means you have to you can't just you have to get some nutrition in your in your body. So that's just a my brief a brief um talk about recovery goal well two and then I'll move into what you talked about in part three is really the, sort of the final thoughts of the book. And the chapter about applying the ideas to other habits is another one that Amy Johnson wrote. And she doesn't only work with the She works with people who are struggling with all sorts of habits. And she actually has a new book, too. Um, it's called The Little Book of Big Change. And it's about all habits. So she, uh, oh, so she was able to write this chapter and talks about, again, different case studies of different people who have conquered, like, fear of public speaking or different habits or different destructive processes. And, and she talks about how... You know, we can learn to view any harmful thought as neurological junk. It's just um, this concept of a lot of people go around in life and thinking that all these thoughts that go through their head every day are meaningful, but not all of them are. I mean, some of them are just, they're automatic, and they just come, and who knows why. And if we can learn to sort of disassociate with the thoughts that are harming us and that are holding us back, I mean, we can accomplish really great things in life. A lot of people get so weighed down by these heavy thoughts and so she just talks about how you can learn to distinguish sort of your inner inner voice and your inner true voice from these harmful, destructive thoughts, whether they're driving you towards binge eating or different habits or just whether they're making you miserable. So I really like that chapter.
1: That's that's a great, it's a great, great chapter. I, you know, just kind of, again, I'm just, you know, trying to get through the whole book and I can't wait to really, I love to, I'm one of these people that will read a book and then go back. <laughs> and so, I think this I think especially so for all the listeners, especially this book, it's it really is helpful for a workbook and to use it as um a tool as as the first book. And um I really like it because it's it's you know, it's really it's in that capacity which I really like. Um and I like that it was born out of the fact that, you know, some people have, you know, it sometimes it clicks right away and they they get it, and they don't binge, but I know for others they this is why this book was born, and that's what you said that um it doesn't happen right away, so I know you speak to the fact also um that if you do slip, that it doesn't mean you can't do this um type of thinking it just you may just need a little bit more time i would I would think that would be um the way to go, right, so like sometimes people may not binge for a while and then they have a slip up that you I don't want people to, you would not want people to think oh this isn't working for them they just maybe need a little bit more time or try to you know get this um, idea of the two brains and um, dismiss the urges correct
0: yeah exactly and I shared in my first book that I binged two more times after sort of changing my thought processes. is it it there was two more times that i binged. so even I didn't just stop in one day um and know some people do stop in one day. Some people, you know, it takes them a year for this sort of to all sink in. Um, there's another chapter that I'm talking about all about Amy's chapters. Um, another chapter that Amy wrote that she talks about how um, you need to have insight. You don't need to just have intellectual understanding, okay? I can explain to you that this is just a primal process in your brain, but until you actually feel that, until you experience that, until it... It's not going to really make a difference. So you can learn about it, and then it might take a while for you to have that deep insight or you to really experience what this what this means and have it, you know, change your life. So it doesn't – it's not the answer for everybody. I don't say that in, in my book. This is not going to help every single person that binges. But if it doesn't help you the first week, the first two weeks, the first month, it doesn't mean it's not going to help you. Stay with it. Give new ideas time to, to take root.
1: Right and that's that's kind of what we talked about about making those new pathways in the brain and then it then it sticks and those urges are just a distant memory and um yeah. and yeah so i have a i have a few people that have been holding a long time and so what i'm just going to say to listeners on my switchboard is that if you're just listening then fine keep listening and that's fine um, but if you have a question if you can hit number 1 uh you can hit just 1 on your touch tone phone Um, or pound one and if you have any question for um, around this topic um, uh, we would love to to pick you up okay so the last four digits uh, 6472 I'm just going to get you on the air hello hello hi Um, who am I speaking with I speaking with Robin hi Robin how are you
0: I'm good how are you
1: I'm good. I'm good.
0: So, um, a great, uh, a great radio show, and um, um, thank you to both of you. And I have read the book, but I had a, a question for Catherine. Um, sure. Mastering um, the technique of sort of not listening to um, the chatter in the brain to binge—did that help you in other areas of your life? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just in, I've always been someone to struggle with anxiety and a lot of, um, I, I talked about one interview I did, like public speaking and speaking is one of my worst fears, <laughs> yet like I, I somehow i am here doing it. So You're I doing do great. have messages in my brain that like tell me I'm, I sound horrible and you can't do this, but like you just kind of have to do it anyway. So a lot of things that we fear in life and for me personally, yeah, it definitely has helped just to realize that, okay, it's just a thought. Not something I have to believe, not something I have to act on. So that's just one example. Um, Like depression, like it's easy to get caught up in these thoughts that, oh, your life is so bad or this problem can't be overcome, but if you can just kind of let those thoughts go away, that doesn't mean you don't pay attention to anything in your head, but just kind of pick and choose what is worth listening to and what isn't. Does that answer your question? Yes, you absolutely answered it. Thank you very much. You're welcome.
1: Thanks so much for calling in, Robin. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Okay. So anybody else have a question? You can hit the number one on your touchstone phone. I always sound like a operator when I say that. <laughs> some people, it's so interesting because some people are listening by computer and I can't see them live. I only see them after. And some people are listening by phone. So by phone, I can see them just hanging out and listening. Uh, and I don't see who you are, by the way, unless I know your number by heart. And I just see lots of different numbers. So um, let's just see. So if anybody has to raise their hand, you can hit the number one. I'm just. I'm also going to check my chat room. So let me just go over there. I become good at multitasking. Let's see. Okay. So it's quiet in the chat. Everyone's listening. And some people are shy to call in. I've noticed that I... Some people after the fact will say, I know I was there, but I'm too scared to <laughs> to go live on your show. So you made me laugh because here you are public speaking, So and you keep finding yourself, I guess, in different interviews. So uh must be a message somewhere, somewhere. Some yeah. Um, okay, so it looks like everyone's kind of listening, hanging out. And um, what else can you share or what would you like to share with anything that we haven't covered or anything you want to share with the listeners? It can be about... Um, you know, obviously your book, or just just anything you that that comes to mind. Um. Well, let's see. You you told me that you wanted me to share an insight.
0: Yeah. That was really yes. important in my life. So let's. Yeah. I'll do that because I was thinking about that today,
1: and, and I did share this in my book I, I too. Will, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. That'd be great. Um. This is. It's it's like I said. It's in my book, but I talk a lot, and we have talked a lot in this interview about the urges being the true problem, and. That occurred to me just the first night after I read the book, Rational Recovery, that helped me learn about the two brains. And Jack Trimby in that book says that an alcoholic only, um, I'm not reading it exactly, I'm paraphrasing here, an alcoholic only drinks to, of, to cope with not drinking. And I didn't quite get it. I was like, what, what does that mean? So I get home and I, I kind of resisted my first urge using this technique. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it makes total sense. Like I was only binging to cope with not binging because it created such a distress and the urges were so like powerful and almost painful. And so I, I, I turned that into, I, I binged only to cope with urges to binge. That was the only thing that I really coped with, because binging never helped me with any of my other problems that I supposedly mm-hmm. needed to binge to cope with. The only thing that I got rid of was the urge in that moment. It was, it just took the urge away. So that was really the biggest insight that sort of changed how I viewed my eating disorder, how I overcame it, how I write about it, so...
1: Yeah, I've been really, with her just a bit. That was my, yeah. my insight. Right. That's really, that's really interesting. When you first said it, when you first just said it about the drinking, I had to mm-hmm. think about it. But when you just explained it so well, it made so much sense. It's amazing, right? So it's like I always talk about like we talk about intuitive insights and the whole theme of my show is that everybody has intuition and how we can tap into that intuition to have a really fulfilled and, and fruitful life and use our intuition in many different, and people will call it like aha moments, things like that, or just like a spark. And so that, that probably really spurred you to do so many other things, right? Like even write your book, right? Cause it was almost yeah. like that, that concept, that sort of like, ah, oh, you know, aha really allowed you to like, if you can look back now that if that didn't resonate with you on the intensity that it did, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be in recovery for as many years as you are, helping so many, many people and, you know, writing two books, right?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so it's exactly. Really I mean, it, it just made me realize that, like, without the urges, I it doesn't matter what problem I had, I wouldn't have binge. If I would have been depressed but had no urges, I wouldn't have binge. If I would have been anxious but I had no urges, I wouldn't have binge. The difference between me and people who don't binge isn't that I have – you know, more problems or, or than other people, or I had this inability to cope with them, it's that I had urges to binge. And now I still have problems, but I have no urges, so I don't binge. So it's, you know, I mean, even if for some reason I did, I wouldn't binge because now I know where they come from and, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it definitely propelled me to, to write my book. It gave me more of a motivation. I, it was something that I always wanted to do, like when I was polemic and I was struggling and I felt like there was no way out. I told myself like, if I ever found a, find a way out, I'm going to write about this And when I found a way out that was different than what's out there, I really felt the need to write it. I kind of thought, when I first thought I wanted to write a book when I was bulimic, I thought my book would kind of be this, okay, I finally figured out what my eating disorder was about, and it was about this emotion or that emotion, and I overcame it, and I became a better person, but it ended up not being what my book was about. It ended up being, okay, I still have problems, but this is how I overcame it. And yeah, definitely that insight was a, a big turning point in my life.
1: Right, definitely, definitely, a big one, and it's true because a lot of people will say, you know, like I'm sure you have just as much stress or more because I know you have four children. God bless you. Yeah, I have two, <laughs> and I still, and you have little ones, so I have big ones, but yeah. they're all they're all I, we love them all, right? But it's it's definitely exactly. stressful, and so yeah. I'm sure you have same amount of stress or more than you did when you binge, but you're not binge, you know, it does it's not making you binge, so that's exactly where a lot of people get caught up in that, um, or or the whole therapy thing, and again, I'm not saying no one should go to therapy, but the whole therapy thing of like, oh, it was the way your parents talked to you, or it was your upbringing, or you had no money. Like what does that have to do with when you really get down to it? Even if I had those problems, it didn't make me binge. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like it's just so interesting now when I read the book and I'm reading the second book how it makes so much more sense um I have a very good friend who works um as a yoga teacher and works in a um eating disorder clinic. And um we don't talk a lot about it because you know when I don't know anybody's names of course, but it's it's just so interesting because she's really working on I mean really her role is to work on the yoga and befriending your body. Um and the interesting part to this um to this place to this um uh, outpatient it is is that you have The gamut. You have um, morbidly obese. You have um, bulimia and and binge eating disorder. You have anorexia, and um, you know she's really working on or helping them facilitate just the love of your body and yoga, which is so wonderful. And it's just such a small piece, but um, I'm hoping to share this book with her so that she can bring it to that community. And you know, I know they'd have to, you know, I'm sure on some level, you know just see if, if anyone would be open to um, doing that. But there's so many places and so many people that really need to hear this information. So um, really wonderful. And I just want to thank you because as you're you're kind of sharing a little bit of your fear of public speaking, um <laughs> i was i was really fearful just to email you like oh my gosh oh my goodness Catherine, it's katherine hanson <laughs> she's the author i read her book and and you know I, I kind of just took a deep breath and i said you know i'm just going to write my story a little bit not about you know i didn't want to get into like me 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 <laughs> like this is but it really helped me and and i just asked would you be on my show and i'm so glad i did i i it came out of my comfort zone. I, I kind of busted fear or kicked fear in the face, as we say. And um, you know, it's really good to step out of our comfort zone too. So I'm, I'm so glad that you are public speaking, and I'm so glad that I emailed you. So <laughs> thank you, oh,
0: thank you so much for having me on. I'm
1: you're not welcome. a
0: famous person
1: or <laughs> scary person. Most of the time, I'm oh, doing like- laundry or cleaning my kids' messes. <laughs> I, I know, but you know, but like from the other end, you're. It was like, oh my gosh, she she said yes. Yeah. You know. Um, my husband's like that's a huge win that's huge honey that's awesome you're <laughs> like, so cute so supportive so cool. before we close out we have a couple of minutes just um, uh, the books that we, we talked about where to find the books the books on Amazon ebook and paper and um, hard copy and then you also have yes. a blog and I don't think I wrote that down can you just tell people how to reach you through, bo- through your blog what that is
0: yeah your, uh, my
1: website is just my
0: website is dot and the blog is just on there it's up in the, you know, the address bar, or the
1: Okay, great. Yes, it Perfect. Great. Well, it has been phenomenal. This hour went so so fast, and I this was a real pleasure. And I know so many people. If we can touch just one person, just one life, and this can really change their their life and not feel so chained and imprisoned with this horrible, um, the horrible binging and and disorder, and and really come into recovery and love themselves and. And yep, you will still have stress, and there still may be things, but the binging will um will be, will go away. And so thank you, thank you so much for so many lives that you're touching, and all the work that you have. And I wish you so much success on your second book as well as your first. Okay, thank you so much for having me today. You're welcome. Brilliant. You're welcome. Have a great day. Okay, Thanks you so too. Much. Okay, bye-bye. okay, bye bye. Bye. Well, thank you, everybody, and thank you, Catherine, so very much. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal show. I am going to listen this again on playback, and for all of you listening live, I am available on the podcast, iTunes podcast, so uh, please go and subscribe to my show. And this was a great fourth series of health and transformation. We have a few more coming up through the month of February. I cannot believe we are through the month of January already, 2016. So we will have four more shows, episodes of Health and Transformation, and I will bring you many more topics and guests. Just so you know my whereabouts, every Friday I am blabbing on Blab, and feel free to find me on Blab, and I'll be doing complimentary readings. So Blab readings are card readings, and you just need a Twitter account to find me on Blab from 12 to 1230. My wonderful moderator... Andrea Santoro will be with me, and it's a lot of fun on a Friday. It's a half an hour. You can just listen, or you can ask some questions and get some guidance, intuitive guidance from Spirit and the Angels, so join me every Friday on Blab. Also, I have two Reiki certification courses coming up. I have a Reiki one, and that is February 13th, and a Reiki two. These are certification classes, March 6th, and if anyone's interested in that, my email is first name and last name, Tina Conroy. 111 at gmail.com. Also, I am always inspiring people to get healthy with health and transformation as a health coach. And if you are looking to transform your life, your health, please reach out to me again, again on my email. I would love to help you and facilitate you to your best healthy life. Thank you all again for listening. May you have a beautiful, wonderful day. Namaste.